0: In, in for James Forward! In! In the champion! James Forward! And a joy for champion Rogers! Inside the final 10 minutes! What an effort from the 10th! It might just be enough to take them back to the promised land of the Football League! This
1: is Buxton away from Backinson. this is Pringle,
2: now Caprice, Caprice with the cross, the header, it's in! It's Connor Jennings! Tramere Rovers, whose double dip led to their World Cup!
1: Then right, then right, then Matt Hibbert here um, of the This Is Tramia podcast. I'm Matt Hibbert on Twitter, at This Is Tramia on Twitter, at This Is Tramia on Facebook. I like the Facebook page, that is new. Soundcloud.com forward slash This Is Tramia and on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, just search This Is Tramia and um, yeah, you can download and listen to all these podcasts. We've got Adam Summerton on who um, gave up at least two hours of his time uh, yesterday on the um, two-year anniversary of Sir James Norwood Day, the Boring Wood game. And we talk about that game a lot, obviously, and just his career in commentary and stuff like that. It's a really good chat, really interesting, um, just to talk football with someone as well, someone in the industry. This is a little intro, just doing it to say we are of course, sponsored by the Tramia Rovers Official Supporters Club. If you haven't joined, please do join. I know that we're not actually playing footy at the minute, but it's good to support them. They've looked after us. Um, by being our official sponsor, starting about a year, was it a year ago, or 18 months ago, about 18 months ago, maybe it was a year ago, I don't know, Paul Harper and he's not here, um, to confirm that, but yeah, go and support them, they are, uh, Tramia over's Official Sports Club on Twitter and on Facebook, get in touch with them, any questions like that, and uh, the Tramia Trust as well, the fan park on Twitter, and on Facebook and of course the official club account. Anyone who can help, they're doing a lot of great stuff in the community at the minute with like meals and care packages and stuff, and they're asking for volunteers. So get in touch with Nicola or Mark Palios and the official club Twitter if you can do any sort of voluntary work or help at all like that. But let's get to the pod sponsored by the official Tramier Rovers supporters club. This is this is Tramir, myself, Matt Hibbert, Jake Keogh, down in London where he's working in his apartment, doing something, some key worker stuff. Paul Harper via Skype. Uh, talking to BT Sport commentator, commentator on the day, that day, two years ago yesterday, 12th of May 2018, the day we beat Boreham Wood, and we just talk football, that game, the playoff final... Um, all the games that he did for us, he did quite a lot that season for us because we were like the big, the big dog in the conference. But yeah, it's a good nearly two hour chat with Adam Summerson BT Sport commentators. I hope you enjoy it. Go follow us on our socials at This Is Tranmere on Twitter, This Is Tramier on Facebook. Yeah, and get the podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Enjoy up to Tramier. me I'm
2: just as a warning. I'm waking away at the minute. And last night the. Um the Wi-Fi in the apartments were in randomly cut out at one point so cut out, I'll try and get back on.
1: It's mm. not that our and chat I, is just, that dull, Jake. You will have I'll just a...
2: come back in subtly, but if not <laughs> Don't go... I might not cut out, it might be fine. If you're gonna but have to come back in try and come in minutes.
1: Try and come in more subtle than a Liam Rydell slide tackle in the first minute <laughs> of a cup final. <laughs> <laughs> shall we should we just dive straight into that then? We are recording this on the twelfth of may twenty twenty, which is coincidentally enough two years to the day since that day. I'm doing inverted commas there that no one can see, but that day, probably the most important day in the, in our most recent history, maybe of all time, for Tranmere, when we, the Boreham Wood game, which now, uh, we should say we're joined by Mr. Adam Somerton, um, BT Sport commentator, um, most famous amongst Tranmere fans for his commentary that day, I suppose, isn't it? Um, so, I mean, we have gone, we've done this before, haven't we? But we should probably go over it again as it is the anniversary. Um, what Adam what do you remember about that day just your takeaway like for instance did, were you aware when as the game was going on just thinking this could be an all time you know classic for me to look back on in my career <sighs>
0: Well, certainly the circumstances of it were so surreal and so unusual that even during the game, you, you kind of glance in between you, yourselves, myself and Adam Virgo, my, my co-commentator, and you, you're giving each other looks as if to say, "Goodness me, what's going to happen next in this?" So, yeah, I think I think you did get the the feeling that this was. Um, potentially, a, you know, a game that you would talk about for a long, long time, and and so it's proved. Um, I think the the feeling that I got coming into the day really was that there was a a whole heap of pressure on Tranmere. I mean, it was almost like they couldn't they couldn't fail really. That was the the vibe that you got, and I suppose it was different for Boreham Wood, you know, a team that had never played in, in the Football League, so in that respect, the, the, the pressures on the two teams were extremely different, so you know, that when you take into account that pressure, it was, it was on Tranmere for a, a player to be sent off inside a minute, and you know, everybody's looking at each other going oh my goodness me, you know, that they're, they're going to mess this up, you know, that <laughs> that, that, that was the feeling that, that you got, so what happened after that was just quite astonishing really, I mean, I, I don't think it's been mentioned enough about that game, that Tranmere had used all their subs by half time as well that's something that that doesn't really get talked about too much so mickey mellon didn't even really didn't have the luxury of changing things at all did he in the second half so yeah it's just a a game that i will all uh, it's just one of those games i think that however long my career is and hopefully it's pretty long um that i'll always remember it just for the drama of the occasion the venue what it meant to the the teams involved um, some of the individuals involved as well, some of the individual stories, and that's what I like about covering that level of football as well is the stories that you get are absolutely fantastic and that's that's got to be one of the best in terms of stories that that we've had covering the national league at b t it was a a very very memorable day, even for a neutral like myself
2: Adam, just a quick one in I imagine like as a commentator, you see a lot you almost i'd imagine you'd get used to describing certain events when a player gets sent off at Wembley after 4-5 seconds like how much does that throw you Like, surely that's something you've never seen before, you, you're never going to have to describe it's something you, you never expect to have to commentate on I suppose
0: no, I, I, yeah, absolutely. Never expected that inside of I it, mean, particularly with it being at Wembley as well. And I suppose a, every player's waiting at a venue like that just to get their first touch in. D- don't do anything rash in the first, first five or ten minutes. And then for that to happen was just incredible, really. Um, yeah, I think it's a great thing about doing this job really it's one of the things that gives me such a buzz about doing it is that it's just you haven't got a script you know it's you don't know what's going to happen next and you yeah. just have to react to it and that's um just that's one of the things that's so good about this job is the spontaneity of it so i, I, I don't know if it uh, to you guys this is sound weird but you almost enjoy things like that because it it just adds to the drama it adds to the occasion. It, adds to the wow factor in that game, certainly had lots of that. So you just have to react to, to whatever's in front of you and and hopefully do it well and, and, and get the the tone of it right. And I, and I think that's important as well as, as hmm. when you're commentating on anything, really, is make sure you, you get the tone of it right. And uh, yeah, hopefully we did that on the day. <laughs> I'll oh, I- try to remember what we said. It was just, it's all a bit of a blur, to be honest. So well, much happened.
1: I think, you, like, probably... Tramia fans probably can remember what you said better than you. It's ingrained in our memory. I'm, I've literally got sat in front of me uh, a print, uh, a football classic. It was off Etsy, and it just says it says what an effort from the ten men, James Norwood, and it's it's like a Sabutio like sketch of the goal going in. But look, there was there's so many um, lines that you said during you that game. That I think I think Paul and Jake will agree. There's there's um. It means so much. You can't quantify it. You said that, that was just after we scored the second and it was cut to um, and the ball had gone out of play and the, it mm. cut to the crowd you when know, we were just all, well, yeah. I was on the floor like just cowering in the in the, <laughs> in the fetal position going <laughs> 10 minutes to go. But uh, that was a real one that, that stuck with me. Obviously there's the Norwood, <laughs> uh, there's the comedy of the goal and the, the most famous one is probably Mellon's Mission Accomplished. <laughs> Which someone yeah. wanted to ask actually, didn't he, Paul? Someone said, did you rehearse that line? And then that probably leaves on some other questions. Do you ever, before a game, do you ever think, oh, "What if this outcome happens, I've got to have that line ready? I think Clive Tilsley almost became known for his his lines that sounded yeah. like he, he planned them, but I'm sure he said he doesn't. He, they just, you know, because you can't, re- like you say, it's so spontaneous, you can't plan a line, can you?
0: you can't you can't plan anything in terms of absolutely you know verbatim but i think that you can have an idea of of maybe something that uh, almost if you were doing a speech and you, and rather than write the whole speech out word for word you'd have it in bullet points if you know what i mean yeah. you, you yeah. can have a, you can have an idea of something that you might say if something happens and i would yeah. just consider that part of of being of doing good prep really is particularly Particularly if you're commentating on a huge game like that was for those two football clubs, you have to try and make sure you nail the those key moments. Particularly, for example, you know, a final whistle or, or trophy presentation. I think you you have to be absolutely concise and it has to be able to be edited to as well. I mean, <laughs> it, it's a funny thing to say, but you know, that that's true as well, that you, you know that these things are going to be chopped up and, and they'll people will want to use that, you know, five or ten seconds. So I think you you have to be mindful of things like that, but I think you still any good commentary of on any sport has to have that spontaneity. Otherwise, I think viewers and listeners aren't stupid; they can see right through it. And I think if someone feels something's false or plastic, it doesn't carry the same weight or the same gravitas or the same meaning as it would if someone thought that's genuinely off off the cuff sort of thing. So. Yeah, I wouldn't sit here and say to you, I've never thought, oh, I might say something like that if that happens. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you and say that I've never thought that because I have, uh, and I have done it. Um, but uh, I think there's still there's still plenty of spontaneity with it. And, there's some th- and there are some things that you can't, you just can't script. I mean you couldn't script Liam Rideal's getting sent off after <laughs> seconds. seconds. Exactly. If, what if, I was I'd, I'd like to, I'd
1: like to meet the man who did script it if he did because <laughs> I, I'd like to go and once once we can go and visit people I'd like to go and pay him a visit and be like listen mate you, you nearly ruined my Saturday 2 years ago.
0: Yeah. It's it's funny you know when you were just mentioning their little moments in the game. One of the ones that sticks out to me of that day was and I can't even remember how long it was I into the what, game at
1: 60, mid- 62 minutes. Um, the official yeah, they, club tweeted the, the the footage with your commentary on um, last on it, Saturday. There was,
0: was just a buzz when all around that that area of the ground where the Tranmere supporters were. A little bit like you know when you've got a situation at the end of a season where there's one team who, who are playing and they know that the result from another ground will yeah. affect whether they get and, and, and it filters it felt a through bit like that. Like a spontaneous buzz that that you were like, what's going on there? What, what what's happening here? And then you suddenly realised that what it was, it was basically obviously someone had just within the tramway support or a group of people had, had basically given it the come on, and it was like it had spread yeah. like wildfire. And and it was a real, um, I don't mind saying actually, it gives me goosebumps thinking about it because spontaneous um, things like that that involve so many people are a thing of beauty really because yeah, really you know are. how often in life do we get that where so many people are all rooting for the same cause at the same time and feel the same feelings at the same time and that same raw emotion it's it's a really it's a beautiful thing to be honest that might sound a bit corny to some people <laughs> but I think it's I think it's amazing it, it, and as a footballer I mean I've never been lucky enough to play the game professionally but I've got to think that as a footballer if that doesn't drive you on if that doesn't give you the the will to win. I'm not quite sure. Well, does surely they must notice things like that. But I don't know, you'd have to ask the guys themselves, but it's I certainly noticed it and 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 our cameramen and our and our director all picked up on it as well because they were giving me the shots that I was talking over yeah. and uh, yeah, it was a it was that that for me was a quite a big moment in the game actually.
1: I'll do I've I've just found that it was tweeted we replayed the whole game on our YouTube feed yeah. on Saturday to commemorate it. Um, I'll tag you in it now. It was 62 minutes and it was just, I think, I think Mickey turned to to our fans and sort of went, come on, Jesus up. But it was just Scott Davis caught the ball off an attack, kicked it upfield, there was a little head tennis and it went out for a throw in. It's only like 50 seconds. So it wasn't like we were on the attack or anything, but like you say, it was such a visceral moment where everyone sort of got that we, this is, we need to do our bit here. We need to be the 11th man, not even the 12th man. We need to, we need to morph into a a Liam Rydell shaped left back and do the job. (laughs) um, I mean, that's one thing that it always like the poor, whoever the director was and he just kept cutting to Liam Rydell's Sat there, just like minute by minute, looking worse and worse. And I always think that like if you'd have cut to me in the crowd, and he did a few times. Luckily, like no, when I wasn't on the floor in the fetal position. But he just kept cutting to (laughs) someone. If someone out there could make a super cut of the game, and it's just Liam (laughs) Ridhals. Every time the camera was on Liam Ridhals for the entire footage, and just make it. There's um, there's a a short story or a short film there that could win, I don't know, could win an Olivier award or an award that can, like a short Liam Rydell's on the 12th
0: of May, 2018 on <laughs> his face. But just, Oh God, that, blimey. What that's a day. one of the things though, that for me as a commentator, you're in some ways reliant on the pictures that you're being given in terms of cutaways from the pitch and a good director, which I'm, Rob Levi has been the, the, the national league director and is an absolutely fantastic director. Um, to work with. I absolutely love working with Rob because he, he'll he react to things that I'm saying and we know each other well and you can anticipate things. So when he kept giving me those shots, I, I, it really, particularly of Liam you know, the expressions and the emotions that he was quite clearly going through, you could see every, and feel every one of them, couldn't you, every time it cut to him. And it just added to the whole sense of drama, that jeopardy that was on the game, as I said right at the beginning of this chat, the jeopardy that was on that match for Tranmere Rovers was enormous. It really was. I mean, it's, I've, I think you said at the start here, it's potentially the biggest result in the club's history, you know, arguably people would, you know, have plenty of debate over that, but what it meant from where they were to where they wanted to be, to where they'd come from, it was it was so important that they got promoted that day, and, and and his the range of emotions that he went through on that day that we <laughs> that, was, that we saw in such naked fashion uh, really did sum a lot of it up, and and it was great TV. I've got to say, is it one of those matches that you kind through? of look back on Adam? him as
3: sort of throughout your career, you you obviously commentate on so many games over a season. Is is this game the kind of one that you actually? would go and look back on and listen back to your the show, commentary.
1: The show reel almost, if you had to pick a game to go, to show what you're best at, like, there's your show reel.
0: Yeah, I think it would be, it would definitely be up there as one of the the most memorable games for me um, that, that I've covered. It, it, it's funny because I'm, I'm fortunate in that I've covered so many different types of leagues, so many different types of games, you know, from the Champions League, the Europa League, the Premier League, right, you know, through to... Uh, the Women's Super League, the National League, but it, it, it's not. People, I think sometimes people would think that you would just pick out, you know. I mean, for example, I did the Spurs Ajax game last season for oh, uh, Champions. League. Uh, so people would think, oh, you just go for games like that. Well, if I had to probably give you the three games that are most memorable to me throughout that I've done, one would be when I was first starting out with covering Mansfield Town, and and they had a playoff semi-final second leg in league. In League Two, the League Two playoff semi-final, they lost on the night, but they went through on aggregate. It was just such a dramatic game. Um, So I'd pick out that, and I'd pick out a cup tie where Curzon Ashton um, drew three, well went three nil up against AFC Wimbledon, but ended up losing the game. Now that, that game to me. Just and the Tranmere game as well for very different reasons. They just summed up why I love football. You know the drama of it, the the edge of your seat, you don't know what's going to happen next. How on earth did that just happen? Type sort of, <laughs> you know, moments. And and they're what re- I get such a buzz out of. Um, so, but yeah, the tra- that Tranmere game is one that that will live long in the memory. And I think I'd also probably say that of all the games that I've covered, I don't think I've ever known such a, a reaction to. To the, the commentary to the the game um, from a, a set of supporters in, involved, you know the Tranmere fans of. I mean, it was. Su- I think it's because it was such a pivotal moment in the club's history, and and, and I think that it hopefully that was encapsulated well by the coverage. Um, and it was just a moment for, for those supporters, for all, everyone who was there that that day, even neutrals. I'd be surprised if you could ever forget that. Really, it was just such a day full of emotion, wasn't it?
2: Now that like I say, it's so big for us as a set of fans, the must it must feel like so satisfying and like such a sense of pride that when obviously at the time being at the game we don't hear anything that comes out of your mouth, but now as Matt said before where we all remember the lines. Now when I think back to the moment I saw live I've got your words like ringing in my head, thinking yep. about them, and so for say the twelve thousand family, family, fans that were there, the many born around the world, whatever who think about them moments will probably in the deep in the back of the mind will always have your voice ringing in the back of the, them happy thoughts, which must be quite a satisfying feeling for yourself.
1: Jake, you'd be lying if if you said every time you go to sleep you don't hear Norwood in. In just just, puts it, just makes you smile, doesn't it? And like you say, it's just, it's, it's all soul shire. Solskjaer has won it. It's our Aguero moment, isn't it? Literally, and then we yeah, thought, and then we moment. went and had another one this year. But do you know what I mean? That was Sky Sports, and it wasn't you, Adam. So let's forget about. <laughs> let's forget.
0: I think, I think it's. I think the word I would use, really, to when you explain it like that, is that I'm in a position in the job that I do that you have that opportunity, and it's a real privilege because I know, as someone who loves football, all different types of football, I just love the game and I know what it means to the supporters. So for you to say that, yeah, it's 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 a privilege, and it's actually it's quite yeah. humbling actually but i know how fortunate i am to you know be in the position to do that and you know any commentator needs the needs the action in front of them to provide them with the opportunity for those moments is have well, got to seize that opportunity but you know you, it's it, it, it is it's a it's an absolute privilege um and and one that i'm i mean i'm i'm very wary of the fact that it that it is a privilege and i think that the one thing that if you ask me I think you said, do I take a satisfaction from that? I think the satisfaction I've taken from the reaction that we got to our coverage that day was that it felt like we got the reaction to things right from a football supporters point of view that I always try to feel. Well, I don't try to feel it. I I take a pride in the fact that I feel like I get football supporters because I'm one myself. So you feel like. It, for, for example when that like sort of raw, like mini raw went round you kind of could relate to it if that makes sense so that came across in hopefully in the commentary in that you you know how those supporters are fit you can put yourself in their position because you love football you understand the game you understand the pressure that those supporters are under so that for me is' as is, is is big a compliment really i think as you can pay um certainly that's the way i would take it anyway um someone in broadcasting of, of football that that you feel that they seem to feel that they you're on their wavelength if that makes sense so it's a really lovely thing to hear yeah
2: yeah I'd say that definitely sums it up you, obviously there's uh, you couldn't so much say the same for commentators but you get the vibes speaking to individuals away from commentary you know when someone knows football and understands football in that moment is you definitely say like you come across as you understood the feeling of the Tramia fans at the time—you understood how important it was, and how and how emphatic, how amazing it felt at the time for well,
1: us. To go back to that line, Jake, what, that after we'd scored that moment and the crowd were all going crazy—it's about two minutes after, and Boren Ward trying to equalise—and he, he says, "You can't quantify it. It's—it's it, it's almost you, it, That's summed up a hundred percent because I've, we've said a few times, Adam, to people that." Liverpool winning the Champions League and winning the league and doing all that stuff. Amazing. But that's not a promotion. Th- like These teams who, who win these trophies, the top teams, they don't understand what a promotion means because they've never been promoted because they've always been mm. at the top of their leagues. A promotion literally meant f- for us as a club. And we, the fans, we knew. It. We It was 27 years since we'd had any forward momentum whatsoever. And we sort mm. of knew that if we didn't go up that day, that... Half the squad would leave. A lot of people at the club would lose their jobs. And it was mm-hmm. like you say, it was a, a... Well, again, to use another one of your lines, as they were about to pump in the, the last-minute free kick, it's football on a knife edge. And I'll tell you what, every <laughs> single time I watch that free kick, I think, I hope we clear this. <laughs> I, I just think, even though I know, I go, just got to <laughs> win that first header and get it clear. And it's just... Um, yeah, it, it was. You, you really did. We can't stress this enough that you managed to. You understood the emotion of that day from us as football fans. And also, as well, you understood the emotion from the Boreham Wood fans being mm. very much, you know, like they probably never expected in a million years to be in a, a playoff final to get into the football league. But at the same mm. time, you did the, the game the year before where we were beaten, yeah. beaten soundly by Forest Green. And so I don't know if that was in the back of your mind, probably thinking that, you know, because at the time it was, we were the third team on the run, weren't we, to to, um, to lose one year and come back the next. It was Grimsby, mm. then Forest Green, and then us all lost the previous year and then returned yeah. stronger and won again. So no, it was um, it was good. We should, should Paul? I can see Paul eyeing me up here saying, we should probably move on, stop talking about Tramway and move on to more. Um...
3: Not really. I just think you're talking too much, mate. Oh god, idiot, listen to him. Um, we should, if we go on then Adam. The interview is just gonna be littered with us quoting Adam from <laughs> <submitting laughs> the lines to him. Um, it is the an- it is the anniversary after all, isn't it? Well we, we um I'm just wondering, Adam, what preparation do you do in before you know a big game like that? And I understand that you'll you'll be well prepped with you know knowing all the players and stuff, but in terms of the importance, you obviously understood the importance of the game. Do you speak to sort of the chairman, the manager? Get a sort of feeling of what of what's going on. That's from both teams as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, every game's different, and every um, you know, the, in terms of what access you can get to, to people like that before a game can be can be different as well. But you would always try and speak to the manager. Mickey Mellon was was pretty good in that respect. Um, you know, whether that be on the phone in the days in leading up to the game, or maybe just. You know, grab a, a quick chat in the tunnel beforehand. You'd look to do things like that. Absolutely, yeah. with at, myself and Adam Virgo, we used to loiter around tunnels quite a bit. So we were probably qu- quite. We, 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 I tell you, the, the guy who um, we always chatted to from tramway was the the bus driver, who's brilliant. We we we, we, <laughs> we chatted all the t- <laughs> yeah. We, we've chatted all the- big lad, isn't it? Yeah, it we, is we, very, we chatted. Uh, to- all the time, yeah, he's a f- smashing fella, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we, we'd just hang around the tunnel and we'd speak to whoever we could, really. And the Tramier guys were pretty good in that respect. But, I mean, typically, the prep... It just depends on what I'm doing, really. But for a, it's, covering a National League game, I, because I've, I cover the league so much, I've got some basic notes on each of the teams. And I suppose that statistically you're just updating in that respect because you've already done the teams maybe three or four or five times that season. I did Tranmere many times that year. So you just sort of add into those notes in, in, the, in the lead up to the, the game. You might be juggling two or three games at once in terms of prep, but you're building it up. Um, and then what I really like to do as well is is the color side of things, which is pretty what you've just alluded to there, really. So that's not necessarily statistical because people like stats, but you've got to give them, uh, put them over in a way that doesn't feel like they're having a number rammed down their throat. You just want to do it quite subtly. I don't think people want to be bombarded with stats either. So I do have them at my disposal, and they're there, and I've researched them, but I'll use them if they need to be used at an appropriate moment. But with things like color, you know, you can just have a little line, a little quirky line about a player that maybe you've found off their Instagram or their Twitter or you've spoken to them or you've spoken to the manager and they've said, hey, do you know this about Liam Rydalge or do you know this about whoever Andy Cook and the, even little funny lines I mean I, I love to have stuff like that up my sleeve so th- that takes some time as well and I think something that's important to do as well particularly at a national league level is try and have a, a watch of the teams as well particularly if you've never covered them before so if you you know have to get in touch with the club to get a dvd or if you can look at it on youtube I think that's a good way just so you can see how they set up Adam Virgo does a lot of that as well at, at BT he'll come to me before the game and so I've noticed they do this they like a long throw in this centre forward likes to peel off to the left or what? and and I think that all helps as well so it's lots of different things all coming together that you'll do over over several days I mean I'd, I'd spend whole days in front of my laptop preparing for for a game like that yeah I guess in terms of
3: co- the, the coverage as well you'd done the, the the kind of semi-finals and you'd kind of seen the jubilation yeah when we finally got through against the absolute and it was it felt definitely from our point of view as kind of supporters and well I was working for the club at the time but um, there was a different feel to when we got through against Aldershot the year before and I guess you can kind of get a a feeling
0: of the colour from from those kind of things as well yeah, the Epsleet game was another cracking game, wasn't it? We were really lucky that year, actually, because all those games there was so much to talk about from all. I, I actually watched a, a great sort of compilation that the guys at BT did of of those playoffs. Yes, and it really yeah, you're it in got it, across aren't you? the drama of it.
1: It's like a twelve sorry, it's like a twelve minute um, it's it's like a amazing film. It's like a twelve minute one. isn't yeah, The piece it yeah. was you, Adam Virgo, uh, a few of the other pundits, and yeah, like it's. Oh, do you know what? It's making me like nearly cry thinking
0: of it. it. It was so well put together, wasn't it? I thought that they really. I don't know if you've seen the videos that the guys at BT do for the like the Champions League and stuff like that, where they get sort of footage that you wouldn't ordinarily see, no filter. I think it's called. yes, really. Uh, well. And they do, they they really do do stuff like that really well. And it was great to have those extra pictures that they'd got for, for those playoffs. And I thought it it just really got across to me the drama of that. I mean, Ebbsfleet, what an effort Ebbsfleet put in. I mean. Uh, th- that they would. They'd played 120 minutes. I think it was two days before. Hadn't yeah, it was on the Thursday. And, and, nice. and, and then they travelled all the way to the northwest to play Tranmere, and you know were winning in the game, and it, it was the, the effort that those guys put. And it summed up as well what it meant. Just for any team to, to go up, because of course the big favourites were Tranmere. But you thought, look at the lengths these guys from Fleet are going to. They're so desperate to get there. And it was—I remember Norwood's free kick was a, an absolute beauty, wasn't it? That he scored, and then Ginelli yeah. got the. Was it the? Was it the fourth? Was
3: it? I remember no, I Cole
0: <laughs> the fourth. Sorry, Cole. Yeah, um, and it was just. Yeah, it was just a, a fantastic game of football. I remember. I'm pretty certain. Yeah, that, that, there's a funny story actually after that game, because um, I was stood in the press box, and when you've had a game as frantic as that, you do just take a few minutes just to kind of calm yourself down, and and in in the gantry and just think, wow, that was that was some game that I just watched there. And anyway, I I kept getting people on my ears in my ears saying to me, Adam, when are you coming over to the trucks? And I was like, well, just give me a minute, you know, I'm off air now. You don't- but when are you coming over? So I was like, "Well, I'll come over in about ten minutes." Okay, could you come a bit quicker? Yeah, okay, I'll come a bit quicker. Um, you, the boss wants to speak. To, the boss wants to speak to me. I am thinking, "Oh no, what did I say wrong? <laughs> what have I done?" So anyway, I got over there, and what what had happened was was that straight not long after that that game, we actually had a Premier League game on BT Sport at Goodison Park. I can't remember who Everton were playing, but Everton were playing. And the commentator who'd meant to be doing it was stuck on the M6. So they they basically wanted – they got me over to the trucks and they said, Adam, uh, well done. Um, Can you now go to Goodison Park? We might need (laughs) you to commentate on Everton. (laughs) Because the commentator's stuck in in, in a massive um, jam on the M6. So, of course – Very convenient. Yeah, so, of course – it would have been an absolutely huge moment for me because at that time, I'd never commentated on the Premier League for BT. I, I have subsequently, but I hadn't then. So it would have been, as so far as career progression goes, it was absolutely huge for me to, to commentate on a Premier League. Game. So anyway, I drove over to Goodison, uh pretty apprehensive, seeing as though I had absolutely zero prep, which <laughs> is commentator's worst nightmare. As you've just said, you spend all week prepping and this time exactly, you've got, you've yeah. got none. Exactly. Yeah, so I I drove over there, I got went through the tunnel, got over there, and I, I'd literally, and I mean literally, pull, got to just outside Goodison Park, and the hands free rang, and they said it's okay, uh, he's got out the the jam, you can go home. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just like, I just, my Did shoulder, you know, your shoulders me? just just oh. kind of sink. From r- <laughs> Because <laughs> I was, it, it, but it was it was such a mad way to end that day. It was a crazy, crazy week, I suppose, when you consider what happened in the final after that as well. But yeah, it's I've never actually told anyone about that actually. So yeah, but it was uh, it was some way to end that day. Yeah,
1: well, you did, didn't you? Go straight down and do the
0: Sutton wood game on Sunday. Or my, yeah, you I, did, I, I'm trying you? to remember now. Yeah, I did all those games. It was so, a roasting yeah. hot was, day as well, though, wasn't it? Yeah, it what? Yeah, I'm I'm rem- being reminded of it now. Yeah, it's, it's coming, yeah, it was because those weeks are crazy. You know, when you do those four games in a week, because uh, you, you're all over the country as well. Yeah, so of course. It's and then yeah, it was that. I love those weeks, but they really take it out of you. You know, because you you when you're not doing a game, you're prepping, and and there's no you. That's it, really. It's prep, drive, commentate, prep, drive, commentate for. for for those for that week, so it's uh, yeah, it's uh, they're, they're draining, but they're they're great fun and brilliant to do.
2: Adam, in terms of him, um, like I've played football, I've managed the team, I've watched football, and I'm someone like I always find myself almost getting lost in the game when it's happening in front of me. That you just so sucked in to the game, like nothing, like there's nothing else crosses your mind. As a commentator, do you still get that like? so lost in a game or if if not how hard is it to remain focused and almost remember you you know this is a job
0: i think in some ways it's 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 really strange because i i really if i get a good particularly a good game but actually you try and do it with every game um is to really just immerse yourself in it that's how when i've covered things like the national league and you you immerse yourself in the league and and you really get under the skin of it and you learn it and you research it and you understand it and I think that's how that gives you then confidence as a commentator as a broadcast well because you think I know this I know this league I know these players. I know what it means to these fans. And you almost tick a load of bo- mental boxes, if you like, which then gives you the confidence to that, you know, hopefully that comes across in the broadcast. That's that's certainly yeah. how, how I work. But, yeah, I just think you just – you, you kind of get washed away in the moment, but, it, but at the same time retain a real focus, which sounds completely contradictory, but that is genuinely what you do. It's hard to really explain to you how you manage to do that. I suppose in some ways it's just experience. But, again, I just go back to the fact that, like many other people in my position – I just love football. So, you know, it could be any level of football that I'm commentating on from any different league. If it's a good game of football, it's a good game of football and you can really get into it. Who cares who it is, you know, just enjoy it, embrace it. I'm absolutely, you know, incredibly fortunate to do the job that I do. And, I, I really try and immerse myself, but yeah you do ha- you do have to get that balance right as well of of making sure that you 're concentrating that the, that you 're not missing things and the difference between radio and television because i've i 've done both is that with with television as well, sometimes less is more, and you can give yourself that sort of few seconds, even ten seconds to just almost put the mic down, just sort of step back for a second. And and soak it in and think. Well, what is the narrative here? Where do we go next with this? And the director will be helping you that. And occasionally, I'll I'll press a key where it cuts out my mic to to you guys listening at home or wherever you are. And it's I'll just talk to the director and I'll, and I'll think I, I want a shot of this because this tells the story really well. So. You know, for example, I might say, Give me a shot, will you, of, of that guy in the crowd there, or give me a shot of, of Liam Reidhous, or give me <laughs> a shot of you know, I'm so you, you you're you're sort of you're sort of along with the director, you're developing a narrative as well. And T V allows you to do that to just break away for a second from all the emotion of, of the day and just sort of look at it dispassionately. Um, whereas radio, you're much more you kind of just have to really constantly go with the flow. So it's 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 different depending on what games you're doing and and what medium you're broadcasting on, really.
3: Yeah. How, how did you get into it into
0: it at the beginning, Adam? Um, I well, I'd always at school, I'd always known that what my strength was 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 words rather than numbers. To Put it <laughs> simply, I was useless at maths. But I, but I I, I did realise that I was pretty good with words and. I was always interested in football and I kind of thought, well, just kind of sort of sports journalism might be something that I could go into. And it, it just so happened that I had a year out between the end of college and then going to university and I worked at a newspaper. It wasn't in the in the journalism side of things, actually. It was in advertising, but it allowed me to see – the newspaper a local newspaper it was the southport visitor actually not not a million miles from where yeah. you go um and it allowed me to just see how newspapers worked it allowed me to talk to the journalists and when i talked to them and sort of asked them what the job was like what it's like working on a local newspaper what's the pay like and i just got the vibe of they they weren't all entirely happy although some were i should say but i just felt that it just made me question would it be would broadcast side of things maybe be more suitable for me And to cut a long story short, I ended up doing a three-year broadcast journalism degree in in Nottingham, at Nottingham Trent. And then from there, I just sort of very, very slowly from about as low – I mean, my first job was in a caravan in a supermarket car park in Barrow. So I just – I worked (laughs) – The glamour. Yeah. So I just really, really very slowly worked my way up and and worked at a local radio station in Nottinghamshire, where I, I live now. Uh, for three years where they really threw me in and, and made me do everything, news reading, reporting, outside broadcast, presenting. Uh, and what, the boss there was a guy who, who was a former commentator himself. And he said, I think you'd be good at commentating. And they had the rights for Mansfield Town. And he said, right, you do in Mansfield Town, Cambridge United on Saturday good luck and I just kind of did the game it was a crazy game Mansfield 1-2-1 they had two men sent off which is a theme with my career isn't it they had two men sent off in the first half uh and I think Cambridge had a player sent off in the second Mansfield 1-2-1 and it was just a crazy game and I really caught the bug from there and then just again just worked my way up local radio regional radio national radio club tv world feed tv and then bt sport launched in 2013, and, and that was the big moment for me. That that was, you know, BT has been absolutely wonderful for me. I absolutely love the place. Uh, and it was, the, it was the, the real breakthrough moment for me, really, in terms of making that step up to national TV. And what was that? Uh, seven years ago now, isn't it? Yeah, it not seen that long, actually. Yeah, seven years ago.
1: Well, you've, like, like you say, BT now, they've got such a output of different leagues and games. You're yeah. re- you've really become, um, you know, you, you're getting... All over the place, you've done some great Europa League games. You've been doing some great Champions League games. Um, What's been your favourite... Okay, maybe two questions here. What's been your favourite ground? I know that you were very keen on the... Um, in Turkey, you put on your Instagram and your Twitter that it yeah. was a great place to go, but then also you've yeah. got Espanyol. Um So what's been your favourite ground and what's been your favourite European game in recent years that you've covered?
0: Oh, wow. Um... Well, as I'm I'm sat here in my office right now, actually, and and I've got football kind of um, images all around the office. And if I just look up here, I've got a panoramic of of the Olympic Stadium in Kiev, which was (sighs) where I covered my first European game. For me, it was a massive thing when BT first said to me, look, we want you to go abroad to do a game. Cause it was just a, a huge ambition. I'd always had to, to be, to do a game abroad. I don't know why. It's just something that as a football fan, it just felt so, I don't know, just, it just appealed to me so much to be able to go abroad. And I went and covered Chelsea against Dynamo Kiev. Um, and yeah, I've, I've got a kind of a souvenir for that. So I've, I've got that there. I think going to the quarry was another, ground i'd always wanted to go to and i've I, again i've got actually another photo there with me and jim beglin at, at the the quarry this season which was one to tick off the list so yeah um i don't know I was, i'm trying to think we I'm trying to think in terms of commentator that i suppose they were all they were all great in different ways really it's hard to kind of Specify one in particular, but I think the quarry was just something that was a great experience. You know, to get it was a really good game as well. It was three all, Wolves and Braga. So I'll probably say that so far. It's an amazing uh,
1: ground, isn't it? It's like it's, yeah, it's, a, it it's a masterpiece I, I, of of like yeah. how they did it. I don't know.
0: No idea. I, I, we we were stood there, all of us from BT, who'd been sent over there. And we we took about half an hour. We were just just looking like how, how does this even work? Like how, how have they done this? It was, it, and I'd advise any football fan: you've got to see it once. It's it's incredible. It got loads of architectural awards and all sorts. So sure. yeah, it's definitely. But yeah, Bishiktas was fantastic as well to get to go there. Now uh, what crazy city istanbul is! Wow, what an experience that was! so all these things are great I mean, myself and g you mentioned espanol well before we went to the espanol, Jim and i went uh, and did the, the camp now tour <laughs> earlier in the day yeah we, we, we and then we we had some lunch on las Ramblas, which was we we're talking about perks of the job here, aren't yeah. we i mean that that's that was absolutely brilliant. Hope yeah, it was so. all on
1: BT Sports credit card. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Possibly comment. But yeah, it was <laughs> no, it was, it, that was fantastic, yeah, being able to do that. You, you really look, feel very lucky to do the job when you're able to do things like that. But the best game um European-wise, I'm just I just this I've done I've done so many, Matt. Um I'm trying to think this see. I mean, I've really enjoyed covering Wolves. What I was going to say time.
1: you've almost become
0: their like club European commentator, so haven't you, this season? Well, it just, like, it's a bit like I said to you earlier, you know, when you, you're given a league to sort of commentate on and you, you immerse yourself in the league, well, I, I've done, I did that with Wolves, and I, I take it really seriously, so I really wanted to feel like, again, that I understood the Wolves supporters, uh, I understood what it meant to the club, and because you're doing them regularly, you really, you almost develop like a soft spot for the club, if that you makes sense. like
2: the second team.
0: Yeah, a bit like that. Yeah, I mean, even um Jim Beglin who I, I did the majority of those games with, I did some with Karen Carney as well. But the the one even Jim we were having a meal after one of the games and he said, You know what? I really, I really like wolves. Like they're almost like they're almost like becoming like my second team. And yeah, it's. Uh, I'm trying to think of the the game in Braga was three all as I remember. But the one that really stands out is when they thumped Besiktas in the sec, the return game at Molyneux. I don't know if you saw that Ruben Neves goal.
1: Yeah, it was, it was like that, his one he scored a few years ago, wasn't it? In the yes, championship. Was, but- yeah,
0: it's slightly closer. It was, I think the one in the championship was a bit further out, but yeah, it was very similar. And I think Diogo Jota got a hat trick that night as well. And I just remember thinking, yeah, that was that was a big European night. You know, that's the sort of night that Wolves fans will look back on in many years to come um, and think, wow, that that was one of the, the real great, you know, like Liverpool, you always hear Liverpool fans say about great European nights. Yeah. I think that that would apply to Wolves supporters that night as well. I think you came away from it that night thinking you were you'd been a little part of something that was really special for that football club that night. Very similar, actually, to the way you I, I feel about Tranmere and the Boreham Wood game. You, you you tap into the fact you think that's that's massive for those supporters. You know that's that's a huge deal for them, and and you you sort of soak that all up, and it's a great thing to walk away from the stadium with you. Go on Paul, yeah,
3: sorry, <laughs> could, could see him waiting to say, yeah no, it, I mean it's very varied sort of going from you know big champions league games and europa league to to the national league. What do you enjoy join most about the about the job?
0: Um, well the variety is pretty good yeah I enjoy that Um, I think you enjoy different things about different levels as well I mean with the National League I always enjoy the stories most of all we I remember as soon as I got involved in the National League coverage just remember thinking this has got to all be because so many of the people listening and viewing our coverage don't necessarily know many of these players you know they're at a level where obviously there's not a great deal of publicity about them so it's your job as the broadcaster of that league to tell people those stories and to get under the skin of it. So I really enjoy that side of things which helps as a commentator because you can tell people things that they don't already know about someone. I I can't really tell many people anything about Mohamed Salah or or Sergio Aguero that they don't already know, but I can certainly yeah. tell them a lot about a non-league player that they don't already know. So I really enjoy that side of things. I enjoy like any, everyone thinks they're a bit of a scout on the slide, don't they, that they can pick <laughs> out a player. And I, I kind of like that side of it, that you, you're looking at the rough diamonds that have maybe dropped down from Premier League academies and things like that. Also like the access of, of the national league that you can go and have a chat with a manager. You can, you know, someone like John still me and Adam and just knock on his door at, at Barnet or wherever. And, and just say, John, have you got five minutes? And half an hour later, we'd still be talking about players and, and whatever. And, you know, we'd be telling the stories and stuff like that. And you, you can't beat that. It's brilliant, you know, especially if it's some of it's on the record as well. So you can actually use it in the commentary. It's fantastic. So I, I enjoy that. But you also enjoy then at the highest level, you know, the sheer quality of the football. You know, yeah. it's it 's very different as a commentator in terms of the flow that you get commentating on a national league game to what you would get commentating on a, on a high quality Premier League or champions league game that the the ball you know that the moves flow a great deal better is because the standards higher. So yeah. in some ways, that the play-by-play commentary on a Premier League game or or just the higher level you go to, Premier League, Champions League, whatever, that's that's more fun in some ways because it's easier, it flows better because the, the quality, of the football is better. So that's great in terms of commentating on 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 leagues like the like the the Premier League and the Champions League or the Bundesliga, for example, which um, obviously is is coming back soon. So. Yeah, there's there's different things for different leagues, but I'd go back to what I've said to you a few times now. For me, I don't really care what the level of football is, if it's a great game of football and you can really get into it and enjoy it. That's that's what matters the most for me. You must be dead proud of
3: the BT coverage of of the National League. Obviously, you've yeah. been a part of it through since since BT sort of took the rights and that. I think as Tranmere fans now. I know we've moved up a couple of divisions, but like we don't get anywhere near as much or as good T V coverage and it's it's kind of a credit to B T sport really, but the the amount and the the, the quality of the coverage that, that they provide
0: to sort of non league football. Yeah, I am proud of it. Yeah. I I absolutely am because I think that we what we always try to do was give the league the credit and the respect and the platform that we felt it deserves and you know you only have to look at the circulation figures of the non-league paper to appreciate how big a deal non-league football is in this country and it thoroughly deserves respect and it thoroughly deserves a platform and it's got so many great stories to tell and that for me makes great television and hopefully as i say that we've we've tapped into something like that but i can only say to you that when we've been at grounds and and people associated with clubs or supporters have come up to any one of us and they've said hey fellas you know we we really, we really enjoy the coverage. Now, that to me is like, uh, I, I just take a huge amount of pride in that i just think well if they think it's good then we're doing something right you know and and i think that anybody whatever your job is if someone says to you you're doing that well you, you, it makes you feel 10 foot tall doesn't it you know it, and that's fantastic i mean if, if people don't think we're doing it well then that you've got to take that on board as well because you've got to say well what what can we do differently or what should we be doing better and i think we have as well tried to listen to feedback for example about the highlight show and you know i think we put a lot of effort into getting that right and and getting it on a, on a saturday as well after the games now rather than on a yeah. sunday um and hopefully people are enjoying oh, that too. but yeah i do you you're right i do take a a huge amount of, of of pride in it as well and and i think as i know i'm biased but a credit to bt as as well because you know <laughs> It's a bit of a gamble, I suppose, to put out so much resources. Because it does cost a lot of money to to put a you know trucks out to a game, to do all the cabling, to pay, you know, hundreds of staff to do an outside broadcast or you know, or certainly dozens of staff anyway. And I and I think the investment that they've made as a company in non-league football, I think deserves some some kudos as well, actually. Yeah, absolutely. So a
3: game where you've got maybe 1,000, 2,000 people. Yeah. The, the amount of effort that you've got to to kind of put it across. To yeah. the nation is as you say, it's more than just a, a couple of cameras and a and a commentator, isn't it? Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, oh, absolutely. Yeah.
1: I don't know about you two, Jake and Paul, but since we got out of the conference, even when we were in there, I've because obviously the you go live against Sky have a Premier League game on a Saturday at half past five, That's and, right, Be- yeah. and BT have a National League game. A lot of times, I've I've sat there getting from our game or watch and then. For me, a fan of lower league, especially the fact that we've come from the national league, we spent three years there, and even we've always been a low. We had that Halcyon era in the nineties where we were trying to get in the Premier League, but we've always been a lower league side. And I think for a lot of fans of, of lower league sides now, we're so disenfranchised with the with the, the top flight and that you know, the that all the big games. I almost feel like I've I found myself watching you know Watford v Southampton or something like that, or even big games you know in Arsenal Chelsea on a Saturday, and I'll go. I'm not enjoying this and I'll flick over to it could be you know it could be Chorley versus Wrexham or you know, and I'll watch the conference game because I'm like this is this is more the football I enjoy this is this is football this isn't a load of you know millionaires prancing around the pitch diving around it's a proper game with you know, proper fans and having been in the conference and seen You know, these grounds... we It's weird. Me and my friend's wax lyrical about going to Geisley. We went to Geisley twice in six months at the end of one season at the start of another. And my friend literally left something in the car... And he just jumped over the wall of the terrace at the back of guys <laughs> that went back to, it, it was his coat because it got, it was an August night, but it got a bit cold. And he just, did, imagine being at Old Trafford and going, I've left my coat in the car. <laughs> it, you know, it's, it's locked. It's madness, isn't it? So I, I still, yeah. I still watch and I make a point of, um, watching the conference, uh, highlight show on YouTube when it gets uploaded every week. Cause I like to keep up yeah. with the, um, and it is, it's a really good show. And it's better. Than, mm-hmm. I'd say, like you say, it's better than the coverage we get in Leagues One and uh, League Two. I'd say from Sky, it's very, mm-hmm. very much an afterthought. The Championship is very much their go-to football yeah. league. One, isn't it? The all alive games and stuff like that. And then we get, I think, a half hour. Show at eleven o'clock on a Monday night. That's you know
0: the link the the Lincoln fans actually many of them and whenever I've seen uh, Danny Cowley since as well when I've worked with him on a show or whatever they they've said you know we we really miss I know he's at Huddersfield now but when he was at Lincoln he said we we really missed you guys yeah. because <laughs> we we felt like we kind of disappeared off the radar a little a little bit you know because. In terms of national TV coverage, anyway, uh, yeah, I always remember that about the Lincoln fans. They were like, "Oh, you know, we're glad to be going up, but we wish he was still coming next season." Yeah, can we so, take you with us? Yeah, yeah, it was it, it was it was really nice, that. because you do div- because at that level of football, you know. It's, these aren't necessarily the huge operations that Premier League clubs are, where you can, it could all be a bit, a bit anonymous, if you know what I mean. Whereas yeah. when you're dealing with the same people all the time at all these different clubs, you get to know people. And like I said to you about the... the bus driver at Trambier you know if I, if I saw him in the street I'd, I'm sure we'd have a you know a chat and a good laugh and you know it, it's it's different at a Premier League level we love the well I do anyway I love the Premier League I love the products I love the, the football I love the there's so much that I enjoy about it but as a broadcaster covering the league in some ways it's it's nicer or you can get certainly get under the skin of it a lot more and develop personal relationships with the guys at and I mean I've got loads of the national league managers numbers in my in my phone you know and there's some great guys in there you know people like someone like Simon Weave I don't know if you saw the the gaffer documentary on BT where they followed the it was fantastic
1: rest. wasn't it yeah it was I'm good wasn't sure, it i enjoyed that i'm yeah. not sure if it's online it was it's the sort of thing I think it is is it on yeah. the youtube i'll i'll find it and we'll yeah. we'll tweet it out it was it was it was simon weave there was four of them um Neil Smith. Yeah, the Eastley yeah. guy. Not... Um, oh, he's just retired. Ben Strevens. Ben Strevens, that's it, yeah.
0: Yeah, and, and Hakan Hyretin, who at the time was at uh, Maidstone with yeah. John Still. Yeah. So they, they, they were... It was great, you know, because I've been fortunate enough to kind of see some of that type of behind-the-scenes stuff just from doing the job, but to to actually have it go out there to, you know, the, the, the public at large, I thought was great to see. And they're all really good... In fact, I texted a couple of them that had their numbers. I texted them and I said how much they enjoyed it. But yeah, just really genuine people. You know, without those type of football, people in football, you you don't necessarily get the Premier League, if that makes sense, because there has to be the pyramid. And those people... Those people are absolutely crucial to. There's so many volunteers at, at non league level people who go and clean seats, you know, and ground, people who, who are there day in, day out, volunteering. And people don't realize that the, the, these people do these things, but without them, clubs wouldn't be able to function. You know, do you know going forward with all that's happening with coronavirus as well? Those people are going to be even more important than they are now to, to football club survival at that level. So, I, I, I take my hat off to them. It's one of the reasons as well that I love covering the national league.
1: Well, as you say, it's sorry, Jake. It's about how it, the, literally, the football pyramid. It is in terms of a pyramid. The lower down you go, the bigger it is, and they're literally in in terms of the shape of a pyramid. They are holding the top up.
0: Yeah. And the lower you yeah. go,
1: the wider it gets, and like the more important. And like you say, so many people volunteer. I know, like Paul and Jake used to work for the club, so they know what day to day. When we were in the conference, there's so many people doing multiple jobs for no money or you know, for literally no money, volunteering because they love the football club, yeah. and it's a case of exactly. how can I help? And I guarantee, yeah. like you say, as much as the Premier League's great and the football's brilliant, I don't think there's going to be many people volunteering at Manchester City or Arsenal. Is that um, <laughs> a no, probably c- unblock not. the toilets? Yeah, that Paul yeah. Harper has blocked. <laughs> yeah,
3: Makes and you know sense. what?
2: As much as you're saying about like the relationship with the people behind the scenes and like how how happy they are with BT Sport, but I think even for the players, like there's players. Obviously, uh, we ended up in a football league. A lot of our national league players come with us. You know, players have dreams of playing in the football league, dreams of playing at Wembley. You, you have dreams of playing on national television. And there'll be a lot of players there who may, maybe may never make the football league. The conference will be the highest they get. And if BT Sport wasn't a thing, they probably never would play on national television. And you, you know, it's not even just the playoff finals. It could be a random 12th place versus 17th place in the national league. But these these semi pro footballers can now say that they've played on national TV with, an o- yeah. with a potential audience of millions of people watching. Well, who yeah. was it's it?
1: Sorry, Adam, you commented. It was the week after... Who was the FA Trophy winners the week after we got promoted? Was it Brackley?
0: Yes, it yes, was. Yes, and they won it, on yeah.
1: penalties. They equalised in injury time against Bromley. That's right. And then yep. it won on penalties. And, like, Brackley are just... They're a tiny club, aren't they? Tiny Conference North team. Yeah. And, again, you made them winning that feel like... It was bigger than the Champions League. It was bigger than Real Madrid winning the Champions League a month later.
0: Because that for them that is their Champions League, exactly, isn't it? Yeah. That, that that is their FA Cup final. That you know, that it ain't going to get much better than that, is it? And I think that you have to be so aware of that as well and i think if you go into it thinking anything but as a a broad you've got to appreciate as a a commentator or or a presenter or whatever your role is in television covering a a league like that or an event like that a non-league final you've got to understand that for those players for these supporters for that club that chairman who's pumped loads of money probably into the club this is their champions league final and you must treat it as such because if you don't you're doing them a disservice so you have to treat it with the utmost respect and seriousness because it's apt for those people involved. And you know the effort that goes in behind the scenes, as we just discussed with volunteers. You know that for them, this is... For some of them, it'll be one of the biggest days in their life, and and that's you know th- that's absolutely fantastic, isn't it? <laughs> that these guys who who put so much in, you, you guys, you know, in, in 10, 20 years out, you'll you'll talk, you'll still remember that the what Tranmere did at, at Wembley. Whatever happens in in the future, it'll always be a part of your club's history. And even if you went, uh, you know, as far as you know, the Premier League, it would still be a day in your history. Like a bit like Man City fans when that famous playoff final of theirs, you know, they can, (laughs) they could go and win the Champions League, but they still remember Nicky Weaver, wouldn't they? They still remember. Yeah. They still remember that day. And I think that you have to really tap into that as a broadcaster and, and, and that's hopefully what, what we've done with the coverage of, of the FA trophy, the FA, the FA Vars as well, by the way, you know, you
1: do do them both on the same day, don't you? That's right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, great fun. Really good day. I mean, it would have been this coming weekend, actually. Oh. That that would have been this coming weekend, yeah. Which is, which is quite sad. I was, I, I did have to laugh to myself the other day because uh, at the weekend someone said, "Oh, you know, it would have been this weekend that that it would have been the uh, playoff final." I said, "Yeah, it's uh, one of my favourite weekends of the year, but I, I clean my fish tank instead today." <laughs> <laughs> That's that kind of sums up the the period that we're going through, doesn't it? With Jesus. with the lockdown. Yeah, <laughs> clean my fish tank instead. How
3: much are you missing football at the minute, Adam?
0: Yeah, loads. Yeah, probably just like anyone, really. You're just the same, aren't you? I mean, it's um, it's my job as well, so obviously there's a there's a financial side to that as well in terms of not being able to earn any money when you when you're not working as. The vast majority of people who work in in sports coverage, you'll probably find are self employed. So, yeah, that's difficult. It has its challenges, but there's people in far worse positions. So you get on with it, and you know you just hope that you you have some work coming up sooner rather than later. But uh, yeah, just yeah, just missing football a lot. I mean. I always find like about a month into the summer break, because I try and always have as much of the summer off as I can, because I just think I really want to make the most of just having some downtime, and particularly spending more time with my girls and and things like that. But a few weeks in, you're thinking, oh, I wish there was a I wish there was a game this weekend, you know, it was, <laughs> I wish there was something that I could be prepping for, or you know, because I I really do. And it's just a bit like that, really. But you never know, yeah. watching the K League. No, do you know what? I haven't did they have one? Was it the first weekend? Just just gone. I, just I knew gone, that it was yeah. on, but I, I I didn't get to see it. But yeah, I mean, as y- you guys are probably aware, that the Bundesliga is is coming back this weekend, and and BT are going to be showing every game. So obviously, really looking forward to that. That'll give us all a bit of a a football fix, won't it? But uh, yeah, it's it's such a difficult time for for any, anybody who loves sport. Um, but things are just slowly, aren't they, creeping back, and we just hope that everything. You know, starts to come back when it when it's right to do so. But but come back. I mean, I think the UFC started as well, hasn't it? Yeah, that um, was on Saturday.
1: Saturday. Well, he was he was yeah. he's bonkers that day, no? I think he was trying to he bought his own island. Um, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Yes, so he can. <laughs> I mean, just you know, each to their own. But for me, that's all we need to do. Yeah, if I was you a fighter, I'd... Island. but then you think surely just the logistics of. How are you going to... Everyone who has to go to the island... Because it's important, like you say, about the amount of people that are needed to broadcast a live football match. To broadcast an ultimate fighting event, not just mm. the logistics of the TV, but you need the doctors, um, the trainers. I, yeah. I I think it's a bad idea. That's just me. If Dana White's listening, do what you want, mate. He's got the money. Uh,
0: yeah, it's it's, it's not going to be cheap, that, is it? Buying your own island. No.
1: And by the way, of <laughs> course... getting everyone to it. UFC, available on BT Sport. Get that plug in.
0: Yes, it is. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> have you ever got, thought very,
0: about... got very good figures the other day? So I'm told as well. Yeah, have you
1: ever thought about doing any other commentaries? or any other sports you'd quite like to be like a, you know, a Barry Davis used to do Wimbledon and the athletics, didn't he? In the Olympics, have you ever yeah. thought branching out well, to another sport? A UFC it's... maybe. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, well, when I was starting out. My boss at the time, who I referenced earlier on when I said he kind of said, "Right, I think you should have a go at football commentary." I remember when I was leaving there, and one of his parting pieces of, of advice was, "Don't just restrict yourself to football; be have multiple sports that you can do because you'll be more employable." Uh, and I thought, well, that's that. If you think about it logically, that is good advice. But I have to say that I respectfully ignored the advice, really, because for <laughs> me, it was it was always football above way way above all else I mean he he had commentated on rugby league and he and he said you know there's some transferable skills in there in terms of football and I did think about at one stage doing that but when I started to do football and I could see it going in the direction I wanted it to do and I was moving up the ladder and things were going well and I was also at the time a newsreader too so I had quite a lot of different incomes and I just thought no I really I'm really want to pursue football I real really feel I can carve a career out doing it and just really try try to back myself really and and fortunately enough I I have managed to carve out a career now just as a as a football commentator but you never know what the future holds it could be something that maybe I do down the line but right now I've I've got more than enough to do with football I guess with so many sort of games and so many leagues that that
3: are covered over here now exactly yeah it gives you that kind of variety and that sort of
0: span to be able to, to concentrate on football. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, as you say, there's so many different competitions and I'm fortunate to be working in an era in TV where there are so many outlets. Yes. There are lots of people who want to do the job, but, um, yeah, there, there is, there is plenty of work out there and, um, yeah, as I say, I was very fortunate in terms of timing that just when I was probably just ready to make that step up to to national TV, it just so happened that BT Sport launched. And sometimes life is about timing, isn't it? And being yeah. in the right place at the right time. And um, you know, I'd I'd, I'd I'd always feel lucky that that those things the, the the stars aligned a little bit for me, really there, and and, and I got an opportunity, and hopefully have taken it.
3: I think last time we had you on, we you mentioned about sort of bits of memorabilia that you collect. Yeah. yeah. Now that you're sort of going around the round the world, commentating on different games, what kind of bits of memorabilia have you have you picked up over the last sort of eighteen months?
0: Well, just behind me, I've got from that I mentioned earlier, I've got that picture on a wall of the Olympic Stadium in Kiev. I got, a, I went outside the the ground and I, I went up to a lady, a, a Ukrainian lady who was selling half and half scarves, and I thought I'll have one of those. <laughs> so I got, I've got a Chelsea and Dynamo Kiev half and no, half. That's not scarf. going to be popular yeah. amongst football fans. <laughs> no, no, okay. um, it's, it's a good souvenir. Um, it's really cheap as well. I think I, I remember thinking, really is that you, you only want like I think it was like two quid or something. I was like, okay, fair enough. Um, but yeah, I always try and pick things up. Um, the disappointing thing when you go to Spain is they don't do programs, which I found really... When yeah. I first realized that, I was gutted, to be honest. I was like, you've got to do programs. But no, they they just kind of give out a little free newspaper, most of them outside the, yeah. the stadium. But uh, yeah, I always... collect. I've got a... I have, I've had a bit of a clear out during the, the lockdown and um, I've got loads of old work stuff out and my, my daughters uh, had a, a great big box of programmes shoved under her bed because I didn't want to uh, part with them. So it's funny actually that you asked me that question because in my garage the other day, I was going through a big box from my last house move that I've never had a chance to go through and I'm, I'm pulling out all these different football shirts and what I always used to do when I covered a team, I'd buy the shirt at the end of the season. So like I covered Mansfield, bought the shirt. I covered Hucknall Town, bought the shirt. Uh, I, mean, I don't know if you know, but one of the teams I covered as I was working my way up was actually Tranmere. Uh, I think for, you uh, mentioned it last yeah, time. Yeah. Uh, it was for Radio City. I, d- I don't think I did. That. I'm trying to remember which season it was. I have a feeling it might have been 2005 six. I think it might have been. Brian Little, a wonderful gentleman, was was the manager, and yeah, yeah it really crazy. enjoyed. <laughs> yeah, he, he was. A, he was such a. He was a really good guy to deal with. Brian, um, I know things didn't quite work out that season, but he was he was great to do. Anyway, I bought the, I went in the souvenir shop at the end of the season. I bought the shirt. So yeah, I found an old Tranmere shirt at the bottom of uh, <laughs> all the stuff that, and I had a Wigan shirt there as well that I'd covered them for a season. So yeah, I do always try and. Try and keep, because I think that's what it's about, isn't it? If we haven't got these kind of football fans, if we haven't got these memories, what are we doing it for? You know, it's, 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 it's. That's what it's all about, isn't it? Being able to kind of look back at an old program or an old shirt, and it just brings back all those memories. And uh, I've got the program, uh, I've got the program and the press pass from the Boreham Wood game that, you, that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, I found yeah. that today, so yeah, I always keep things like press passes and and programs and anything else that I can that I think I'll look back on one day and it'll remind me of the game
1: well I've got a um, as Paul will tell you in my office where we normally record the pod I've got I think I've I've literally got a about three foot by four foot canvas of Norwood running off after he scored the header signed by him <laughs> uh, and oh, I'm, brilliant. I'm in it because I was right behind the goal so it's like a second after it's hit the back of the net and the faces in the crowd including mine they're not the most um, you know passport <laughs> photo friendly and neither is his but then I've I, I've got one of Connor's uh, uh, um Last year is winner. I've got those prints of your, the commentary. I've got. I must have about ten or twelve things just on the walls. Um, and it is. It, it's those moments. And people who don't like sport and especially football don't understand. They go, "Why you were there? What? Why do you need a a print or a, a canvas or something of it? Or you know, or a shirt or a, a program? And you go, you, you don't understand. Yeah, you don't nah. understand it. it it yeah. takes you straight back, doesn't it? You can pick
0: you pick oh, that press pass up, away. and you'll
1: just go, "Bloody hell, what a day that was!"
0: <laughs> yeah, straight away. That's exactly what I did yeah. when I was going through. All, when I found the one from the Boreham Wood, game. there were loads of other games that I found as well. Um, yeah, it, it, it does. It does absolutely just bring it all back. It's weird the way your mind and your memory work in that respect. You can literally just look at a piece of paper with it, you know, as a, a press pass, and it and it brings that like all that game back to you. It's really weird how your mind works, but it that's how that's how it does for me anyway. In terms of sort of
3: going forward, how do you, how do you see sort of TV um, football broadcasting sort of panning out in the next few years? Because obviously it's going to going to be a time when maybe companies start pulling out of of coverage because of the um, the kind of expenditure and stuff. Obviously, we're going through this COVID nineteen crisis and. Mm. I'm guessing money's going to be a bit tighter in mm-hmm. broadcasters' pockets and stuff. How do, how do you see it sort of the the landscape in, in the next few years? Well, it's
0: it's a really interesting and fluid uh, question, I suppose, isn't it? Because I mean, somebody I was recording a podcast a podcast with a friend in New Zealand the other day, talking about the Premier League, and they were asking me about the the summer transfer targets, and we made the point that you know we're talking about summer transfer targets, but will clubs be spending any money? You know, who knows how this will affect football finance we're, we're in such the early days of it all aren't we and, and you're right to highlight the fact that that could affect broadcast deals as well so it's very hard to predict because i just think we don't know what truly what the landscape is going to be right now but certainly um it's got to have an effect on everything i mean not just football not just the media it'll be all businesses yeah. i would have thought there'd be very few businesses that aren't in some way affected or touched by this um i think you might see a lot more remote working um in in all industries and i don't think my industry will be any different in that respect and we've already seen that with what television companies broadcasters are doing right now to get around the fact that they can't send people to studios always a lot of i mean i was watching something like country file the other day and they were all doing it from their own you know homes and stuff like that i watched
1: the same thing yeah
0: yeah it's crazy isn't it but they're making it work and that's what you know people are going to have to do that and I, i think in some ways that It it sounds weird to say this, I know, but in some ways it gives an opportunity as well to do different things differently, maybe more, um, I suppose in some ways more efficiently. You could even argue more environmentally friendly as well. So look, we're we're at the very beginning of a a new way of living, aren't we? So let's see how it affects Affects broadcasting, but I think in terms of how games will be broadcast, I think both Sky and, and BT have shown with the finance, the finance that they've laid out on rights that and and the length of the rights the contracts that they've signed. You know, they're clearly still in this for the long haul, and and uh, both have big rights portfolios, which is fantastic for people like me. And then you've got someone like a new player like Prime Video who came in really successfully. And you know, I was very fortunate to be part of the first round of games that they broadcast for the Premier League, and I think that yeah. was for football supporters a real eye-opener and potentially, you know, the future in the, you know, games available via the web and games, yeah, multiple games available all in one day, so you know, who knows where that could lead, but certainly I, I know from having worked on those initial broadcasts and, and sort of heard some of the feedback that, that the guys at the top of that project got, that the, the feedback was was very, very positive, and I, and I think that um, it's, it's probably here to stay, so that, that will have an effect undoubtedly on, on, on the TV coverage, yeah.
3: Yeah, I was going to say about the the, the streaming because obviously, you, sort of, there's lots of illegal streams going out out and about on the on the internet. Is that yeah. something that you think that companies might sort of look to, to go down that route to kind well, of k- kill out those illegal
0: streams? Yeah, I mean, it is an issue for for holders of. I mean, when you look at how much rights holders are paying out for premier league coverage you know i think it's something like I, I, off the top of my head i think it's something it was quoted in the region of 10 million pounds a game i think wasn't it one of the yeah. was it the last contract i Which don't know exactly insane, isn't it it's it's a huge well, amount of money and, pounds
3: isn't it in total, something
0: over and this. then so to think that somebody in their bedroom can then circumnavigate all that and then just watch it on a on a grainy stream i mean it's it must be in really galling for the the TV broadcasters. Whatever you think of the finance involved, you know they're putting their they're putting their money where their mouth is, and they're paying this money and. It must be really frustrating for them. So yeah, I think that's something that the the rights holders and the the leagues involved, which is pretty much every league in the world, I guess, will have an issue about that to some extent. They'll be looking to clamp down on it as as much as possible. But yeah, every time I see every time I see someone on you, you'll see on Twitter as you'll see one of those messages. Anyone got a dodgy <laughs> link? And every time I see, it, I think, thanks, mate. you you could be doing me out of a job yeah. here. <laughs> so it's it's uh, yeah, it's I can I. Can understand why the broadcasters do get really uh, nuts, uh, about that it must be really frustrating
3: um Plus all the clubs are streaming as well aren't they and well from our level oh i follow most of the
0: games are streamed as well yeah also, like I, know, websites I see, I, the other side of the coin is of course and we mustn't i mustn't be blind to this is that there are some genuine guy people out there who love football who, who maybe can't watch as much of it as they'd want because of the prices at the grounds you know the prices of of having you know having to subscribe and stuff like that so I do get there are I do get that side of things but yeah it's um, it's a hard balancing act isn't it as as with everything and I think we're going to find that even more going forward
1: um, we should probably ask you the question that is going around throughout all of football especially in this country is what do you think should be done regarding finishing the season or ending the season are you in favour of voiding it um, or the points per game idea that was bandied around this week, which would relegate us. By the way, so we're obviously hugely <laughs> against that. Um, yeah. I, I, don't, I think we, me and Paul discussed this like about a month ago when this all started. I think it either you either have to void it completely or finish the season when we can. There's no middle ground for me on this. It should be either the, the season it cannot be finished and it is voided, or we wait. Even if it's six months to a year, and then finish this season, what are your thoughts on this? Because it's the hot topic at the minute, isn't it? Of uh, yeah, yeah, a, a lot of teams are uh, like your Leeds and Liverpool's are all getting their legal challenges ready.
0: Mm, I, I think that you have to give. In terms of, you know, a lot of the debate to begin with was give it. Some people were saying you, you should give precedence over the start of a new season over this one. I, that to me was just a non-starter because I don't see how you can give precedence to a new season when you've got one that's three quarters of the way through. I mean, to take the nationally, there was teams had in a forty-six game season they had eight or nine games left. Now, you know, that to me, it, and and the other thing is as well is that I don't understand why there has to be almost. Like a, a start point for the news, like people will say, oh, we've got to we've got to scrap this one because we've got to be ready to start the new one in September. Well, why? Why? Why can't you finish the new the old one in September and start the new one slightly later? And we'd have to maybe look at, at, at changing the calendar. I just I just think that you have to give precedence to. it. I mean, look, records have been broken, you know. <laughs> Team trophies have have literally been won, not 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 necessarily league titles, but but cup competitions. So, what happens to them? Do we just void them as well? Uh, I I think that you have to make every effort possible to finish the current season. Uh, now, whether that that has to be when things are right to do so, I accept that. But even if it were to be in September October, I think that that you have that if we're talking about the integrity of the game, which is a, a phrase I keep hearing a lot. I feel that you, you have to finish a season that, that has only got you know eight, nine games to go that that for me is 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 critical, really, but when that will be is who knows and, and I think as well, the other thing that we should point out in terms of the resumption of football and and people talking about scrapping this season so to give the next season a, a good go is that we if we we're, 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 we're honest, nobody really knows when any level of normality is ever going to come back again. I mean without a vaccine. Or a, or a very effective treatment, nothing's going to substantially change, is it, at all? Yeah. For, for It's like, how long is a piece of string? So I think a lot of people have got it in their heads that, oh, everything will be all right again by September. We can just start again. I'm, I'm not so sure that's true. I think yeah. anybody knows with any validity, any, you know, surety, what's going to happen. So, yeah, it's it's, and then, of course, the other big issue here is that what are we going to be left with when football does resume? How many clubs will be have gone to the wall? You know, you guys know what, what I'm talking about, having spent time in the National League, how many clubs there are. You know, this could be disastrous for, for football at, at that level. And we've got to really do all we can to, to sort of shield those clubs and help them through it and be imaginative in our thinking about how we get through all of this. And I think there has to be a joined up and a generous approach from the, uh, the highest level of the game as well. And the highest level of the game has to think about the lowest level of the game. And remember what you said earlier, Matt, about the fact that we are, we have a pyramid and a very successful one in this country. And without the bottom clubs in that pyramid, the, the top ones, it doesn't work. Yep. It's a pyramid for a reason. And I think that there has to be a, an approach where the, the very richest clubs have to realize that they have to help out the, 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 the clubs below them. That, that's really important for me in all of this. Can you can you see
3: a sort of a situation though where where they possibly have to avoid it? Well, I know a lot of with players going out of contracts in June it makes it sort of that adds to the complications. I, think, I guess.
1: I think that's the problem, Paul. I was thinking about this today. Is I I was trying to make this. I was in a group chat with my friends and they're all Liverpool, have the Man United fans? And I was saying about we might have to avoid it because half our squad are out of contract at at the end of June and. That's not an issue at Premier League level, is it? It's only at our level, the lower leagues, where players are on one one year contracts, two year contracts, two years at yeah. best. Whereas all the Premier League players, no one, I haven't had one person go, "Well, we need to finish the season, or we need to avoid it because Mohamed Salah's out of contract, or Sergio Aguero is out of contract." It's very much a a lower league issue, that isn't it? And I think that's the- being glossed over.
0: Yeah, there is a a big difference here between finishing the Premier League season, and we probably shouldn't talk about them in in the, the same way. They probably deserve need to be talked about separately because the pressure from a Premier League point of view is to get the season finished because the clubs need the TV revenue. Whereas if you're talking about the National League level, they've all... It wasn't unanimous, I don't think, but it was overwhelming that they wanted to finish the season in March. You know, they didn't want to even think about playing the remainder of the games because, of course, for them, the longer this goes on, the longer they're paying the players, the more money that's going out the club and they're not getting any back in because they're not getting any gate receipts or anything like that. So they're completely different problems for different leagues, aren't they? So it's not a one-size-fits-all. And and you're right to point out in terms of contracts at a National League level or a League 2 or League 1, a lot of these players' contracts will go year to year. Not all, but a lot of them. You know, there will be some two-year contracts in the National League, but I would have thought the vast majority are on one-year deals. So, you know, that is a big factor there, whereas there'll be far less players out of contracts in the Premier League. And I think they could find workarounds. If it were just a case of starting the Premier League or restarting the Premier League season in June or July, they could probably, although I'm sure it would be messy, I'm sure they could probably find workarounds to extend a player's contract on the same terms for long enough to complete the season. So I think that's possible. But you're right to point out the lower you go down the the football league and and into non-league, that becomes probably more difficult, yeah?
1: Go on, Paul. I'll let you have the the floor. <laughs> I can see your solemn um, face.
3: <laughs> no, no, I just think we we we're, we're coming to the end.
1: Yeah, but well, we had. to we have some Twitter questions? I think Paul didn't
3: we? Yeah, we did. So let's go. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Let's go through. There was uh, a few. A few came in. Bear with me.
1: Jake has left us. By the way, is his internet cut out? Didn't it?
3: Oh, ah, yeah. okay. Yeah. I think when when we put out that we were going to speak to you, Adam, it's just a lot of love for the kind of the commentary that you've you've kind of given Chalmers over the over the years that you you covered us. So, oh, thanks, thanks for the overwhelming sort of response to uh, to the messages we got. Well, oh, thank
0: you very much.
1: People like the people remember the absolute game. I think the call on the the Norwood free kick. Norwood sends it in, because trust us when we, and you probably know, if James Norwood stepped up to a free kick at that point, we were expecting, well, you'd be in trouble in the gantry normally, but that was the one free kick he scored for us, I think, wasn't it? Literally. It was a a beauty. And he never took another one since. He never never did. He knew. Go out on a high is what he knew.
0: Yeah, what a character he is, by the way. <laughs> oh well, uh, he's, he's, yes, he's, we know. He's, he's good fun. As you've, you actually, you guys had him, didn't you, on the pod? I remember listening to that. He yeah. did.
1: Yeah, he, he came to my house, came in here, and he nearly. I mean, the thing, but this was just at the start. We were on that seven-game unbeaten run last season, and he came here just before the exit game, and I was showing him. He wanted to see upstairs in my house, and I've got these weird stairs up to our bedroom, and he had slides yeah. on, and he like clipped his slide on the stair. <laughs> and nearly rolled his ankle and I just thought oh, no. Jesus imagine <laughs> if that had Norwood out for season ankle rolled <laughs> at recording podcast at Matt Hibbert talks I'd have had to move I'd, oh god
0: oh that's brilliant
1: he is a character and um, we, we, obviously we've, we've missed his goals this season um, but I think we've missed because without meaning to get back into trying stuff we lost at the end of last season Steve McNulty Jay Harris and mm. Norwood all left, and that was very much the spine of the team. Yeah. Um and it's hard to replace characters in, in a game, isn't it? Especially at the level we're at. So yeah. I think that was part of our issues with the the start of the season. But Paul, I believe you, you look like he Paul looks like he's got some questions lined up, so I'll hand over yeah, to Paul. Sorry. Paul Harper's question time is back. <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay, right. With going back I mean, all the Champion fans want to know about the the Borderlord game, obviously. Um so Misha Parry asks, as the match played out, were there any standout moments that you thought might decide the actual
0: outcome of the game? Um, I suppose when Boreham Wood equalised towards the end of that first half when there was about 25 minutes of injury time. <laughs> Mickey, Mickey was happy
1: about that, wasn't he?
0: <laughs> I mean, you're obviously thinking at, at half-time, how big an impact is that going to have on ten men? You know, going in, how deflated Those are they? Yeah. So I remember thinking, I uh, listening to the the pundits. Our guests at halftime, Chris Hargreaves was one of them, and I just remember listening to them, and they were getting across almost the fear for Tranmere, if you like, in their voices of, oh, you know, how are they going to recover from this sort of thing? So I think obviously that was a really pivotal moment. I remember, I can remember a couple of real sort of important challenges as well that went in. That that you know could that prevented goals. It's, it's it, like I said, some of it. So much of it's a bit of a, a haze now, but I, I do remember certain big challenges going in. Obviously, that moment that we've already discussed, where all the Tranmere supporters in unison were getting behind the side, and I think that was a that felt like a really big moment in the game as well. But it was just so many. If you go back right to the first minute with with Liam Ridehouse being sent off. I can remember Mickey uh, Mellon pointing at his watch as well towards half-time, <laughs> saying to the... You know, the, all the images yeah. of that day are just, as I'm talking to you, coming into my head. And, you know, the, 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 fir- the first Tranmere goal, we don't really talk about... Um, when we've ever discussed, we don't really talk about the cup goal, do no. we? But that was a lucky goal, wasn't it? And yeah. it was such a critical time as well. Um, that was, was huge in, in, in the game as well. Um, but I suppose it all comes back, doesn't it, to, to Norwood's header. And... I mean, you guys won't, but I, I, as a neutral, can say that I I felt sorry for the goalie that day, actually. Because whilst it was a fine cross and a good header, I mean, that goalie had had, was it Grant Smith? Yeah, Yeah, that's right. He'd had a really good season. I mean, people were talking about him moving up into the Football League. And I just remember you could I just can remember him on his knees with his head in the turf <laughs> as and then just looking up. I mean because it, it let's be honest, he made a bit of it. he should have probably dealt with it better. He should have saved he, it, uh, shouldn't he? Luckily he had very sh- liquid on his gloves. Yeah. yeah. And and I, I do remember feeling a little bit uh yeah, a bit sorry for him, um, because he'd had such a good season and then to make that kind of if you called it a mistake, maybe a a slight handling error in such a big game right at the end of the season, that must've really hurt as well. But yeah, just, they're probably the, yeah, just, and, and seeing Liam out on the bench, that always sticks in my <laughs> mind as well. Yeah. And, and obviously the celebrations at the end, I can remember, I remember seeing all the players in a line, if memory serves me right, and they all ran over to the Tranmere supporters and skidded across the turf. I always remember seeing that celebration. <laughs> Um, Ollie Norburn
1: rugby tackling Mickey Mellon is the famous one. Yeah. He, t- he turns <laughs> yeah. and Ollie Norburn clatters into him, sends him flying.
0: Yeah,
3: that yeah. was the him. worst thing Ollie Norburn did that weekend. <laughs> oh my God, he was. A,
1: let's just say Ollie anyway. Norburn had a drink that weekend, didn't we all? But he, he took it a bit far. He enjoyed it. He ended up um the, the following day, Adam, uh, we did it on the pitch, um you know, like trophy presentation, and then um, he rugby tackled. Um, Mark Palios, didn't
3: he? am
1: I correct in that? or did he know no, he, rug- to, he rugby tackled he Andy to Mangan he to
3: Andy Mangan who was stood next to the chairman
1: yeah and and the, and the chairman's grandson yeah, anyway. the chairman's grandson
3: oh no good, good times <laughs> yeah <laughs> he, he slides footed the uh, the club mascot yeah Rover the dog that was one of oh, the things he did we all anyway. do
1: yeah good times though Paul <laughs>
3: <laughs> I mean, we've watched the game back so many times, but the, the club ran it on the um, on Saturday. One of the things yeah. that snapped out for me that I like, forgotten totally about, yeah. there was two penalty shouts right near the end. Let's not talk about them, Paul, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Hughes does it almighty foul in, yeah, the kicks. Pop, in the penalty box. Yeah, kicks through there, guys. I mean, there, was like. a, there was a handball that would have been harsh, but yeah, you know, yeah. Do you know what? I'll we'll Show you those when you when she won
0: at the end. Yeah, you're right, actually. I remember as well um, the Boreham staff, particularly the manager being. There was a bit of aggro at the end, wasn't it? Was McNulty involved, <laughs> yes. as I remember? Yeah, yeah, it was a bit of aggro. It was a misunderstanding. There. Yeah, misunderstanding, shall we say. Yeah, but I do remember that because I remember, I think at the time I was trying to say something kind of. Uh, I don't know, I think I was talking over the celebrations it, yeah. and, and trying to sort of sum it all up and it, out the corner of my eye, all I could see was Steve McNulty and the Borumwood manager um, having this, and I'm thinking, do I carry on with what I'm talking about here in terms of eulogising about Tranmere's victory, or do I concentrate on the fact that Steve McNulty looks like he's about to put one on the Borenwood <laughs> he's, manager? He's got Which him. is the big line? Which one do I go for? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I, th- I think it, it, it was over as quickly as it started, wasn't it? But uh, yeah, it was. it was a very emotionally charged either, that and that's when football's at its best isn't it
3: yeah. 100% uh, Ian Reynolds is a, a Serie A supporter or he watches a lot of Serie A um, obviously you heard your commentary on, on a few Serie A games what's,
0: what's he asked what's your favourite Serie A game to, co- to have covered um, the great thing about Italian football is that there's so many different rivalries um, and they run really deep and they've got very long memories which is they're, they're not just geographical rivalries you know for example Juventus and Inter the Derby d'Italia is, is a great fixture but you know one's in Turin and, and one is in Milan and then you know, there's real hatred so like Fiorentina and Juventus there's a well, there's more hatred from Fiorentina side of things than there is perhaps from Juventus but so that's what I love about Italian football I, I'd say if I had to if I had to say, which, I think the Rome derby is probably the most passionate because you tend to find that Roma and Lazio fans are largely based within the capital city, whereas fans from other clubs tend to be more spread out, particularly Juve. But that's probably for that reason. And there's, there's political aspects to that as well, the, the Rome-Lazio thing. So that maybe is why that's quite as intense as it is. But I'd have to say, if I, if I had to pick one game that I have enjoyed the most um, it's hard to get away from the Milan derby That—that that is a, a really really special football match for me and I've covered I've been fortunate enough to cover a lot of them
1: Are you familiar with um, Atalanta-Brescia rivalry? I had no idea about this until this season and it's they hate each other Atalanta and Brescia it's like yeah. nine, I've never
0: covered that game
1: No apparently it's 900 years there was a, a, a are you familiar with the, we'll give them a plug the Copper 90
0: documentary series Derby Days that they do on YouTube I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't seen. I've heard of Copper Knight, I haven't seen that though. Yeah, they do yeah, a I'll really check. good
1: uh, Derby Day series. They've done some really good ones, and um they did one on this. And bloody hell, that like, like you said, the, the Italians are passionate people at the best of times. But Atalanta and Brescia, they do not get along in the slightest. And I don't think it's because they both wear blue shirts. It's it, <laughs> it, it, it like goes back to like you know like um, mafia issues, like the wars. Yeah just yeah. you know, crazy stuff where you go like we, we don't get on with Wrexham because we're close to them and Chester <laughs>
0: that's sort of being it goes beyond it goes beyond geography doesn't it yeah I'm wondering do you, um, do you have
1: any Italian teams that you because you're, like, you're similar age so you probably grew up with Gazetta Italia on Channel 4 as well do you have yeah. any team that you support because of you know what, what we used to watch in the 90s any Italian team that you've got to lean into that you can say on here no, obviously i,
0: I, hon- I honestly i honestly don't because i've covered italian football for so long and because it is it is so partisan um and the very nature of italian football is that there's a real mistrust particularly of authority and particularly referees within <laughs> that But Italian football, mistrust is ingrained within it. It is, isn't it? Yeah, so there's very often a perceived bias, particularly from referees, and I, I would presume that that extends to broadcasters as well. So I've always been very mindful of the fact that people could accuse you of bias, but I have to say, hand on heart, I've never had an Italian team. I just, like many guys of my age really was that i just became i just fell in love with it when it was the early 90s to mid 90s it was even late 90s actually wasn't it yeah. with, with yeah. italian it and james and and it, it was like a window to another footballing world really because at the time we only really got to see the the premier league or the first division um and i remember at the time my mum and dad couldn't afford sky so we didn't even we didn't even see that until my mum and dad eventually subscribed to Sky sometime later, but at the time I couldn't even watch the Premier League, so it to see and it was it was you were watching the very best footballers in the world every all the best players were in were in the uh, Italian first division at that time, and as I say, it was like an, a window to another world that opened up every week, and they just got so much about the coverage right that was what kind of hooked me in to begin with and then I, if you sort of, I always retained an interest in Italian football, but wasn't really fully immersed in it. But then when BT launched in 2013 and I was working for them uh, and they got the rights and asked me to cover it, I just really fell in love with it all over again, really. And and as I've said to you before, I just thoroughly immersed myself in the league. And I just love all about. that. I just love the different badges. I love the TIFOs. The I love the... Uh, the fan culture, the like I said, the the intricacies of Italian football, the mistrust, the differences to English football, the relationship, with the crowd, and the presidents and the the referees. There's there's a sexiness, isn't there? There's just something about Italian football that has always just uh, I've always just really liked, and yeah, yeah. I, I, it's it's a big love of mine, Italian football.
1: Yeah, can I? Can you just ask the people at BT Sport to please bring back the European football show on Sunday nights? <laughs> Yeah, so many people say that to.
0: Unbelievable. Uh, It was great. It it was for me. It was. It was helpful in my career actually because
1: you used to do the Sunday Night Live games, didn't you?
0: Yeah, I did. But it was. I was really. I had a couple of guys in the backgrounds, in production roles, who just felt that they wanted to try and help push me forward. I'm very fortunate that they felt they wanted to do that. But I think it was an opportunity for me to prove that I could do, in inverted commas, big games, but without the pressure of it being the Premier League where the audience numbers would obviously be far greater if it was, say, Liverpool, Manchester United. You're looking at hundreds of thousands, whereas it would be a smaller audience, but just as big a game in many ways if it's the Milan derby. So I was doing Juve Inter, uh, Milan, uh, Inter Milan, AC Milan, Lazio and I was doing a game like that every single week. And it was just it was a fantastic time as a broadcaster and as someone who'd grown up watching football Italia to be, to have James Richardson saying, and now we'll go over to San Siro where Adam Summerton is your cop. And for me, that was like James Richardson's just cute to me. You know, when he, when he first did it, I was like, that is, that is just absolutely brilliant. Obviously you get, you get more used to it after the weeks and months and years go by. But I remember the first time I was thinking that is ace. That is absolutely brilliant. (laughs) Is there, is there a commentator you kind of look up to as well as as you were kind of getting into it, I suppose? Well, I, as a boy, I was, again, similar to loads of other people, probably just my dads was put by me all football videos, you know, compilations of great goals and histories of teams and things like that. And I would just sit in front of the, the cassette player and watch those. So at the time it was, you know, mostly all John Motson and and Barry Davis were, yeah. were two, probably more Barry Davis than John Motson, but both fine commentators and uh, Brian Moore as well. Brian on Moore's
1: he, my favourite ever.
0: Yeah, a great, a, another brilliant commentator. Just captured big moments so well. Obviously, the Michael Thomas goal at Anfield being <laughs> one of them. It's and, up for grabs uh, now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think he did, he was Euro 96 as well, wasn't it? After yeah. The, yeah. It. the, the Gascoigne he goal, he was the commentator on that. Gascoigne. Oh, good yeah, times. yeah so they're really good commentators and and then martin tyler obviously was was very prominent with when sky were covering the premier league as well so yeah that but I, if i had to say two names to you that probably above all else that has that have maybe influenced me, particularly when I was first breaking into broadcasting would be Clive Tilsley. Uh, and someone now, I mean, I, I've, I, I know um, Peter probably better than I do Clive just because I've seen Peter at BT, but um, Peter Drury is someone who I've always He's respected. Good, yeah. yeah. And admired. And, and I think that I've, I've always tried to do things in what I think is the right way in terms of being very studious in terms of your prep and, um and and he you know he he he's great in that respect as well he's he's someone that you can admire and i think what you do as a commentator is well what i've done as a commentator is you try and take little bits maybe that you admire about certain different people but i think you always have to make it you put your own personality point, yeah. yeah because if i think not just in commentary, but being a good broadcaster for me, a lot of it comes from your personality. And I think that if you're faking it or you're trying to be someone else, I think people yeah, just people can tell. Yeah, people can tell and they, they, they read into it and they see it for what it is. And I think that you've, if you're being a good broadcaster, you're being natural. You're being yourself. So you can't try and be anybody else. But I think there's nothing wrong with saying, oh, I really admire that guy and, and there are some of the people that, that I do, particularly Peter, I would say, yeah.
1: He's got a real cult following, I think, hasn't he, Peter Drury? Because he's he's become known as um, something of a wordsmith with his words. He he loves to alliterate, doesn't he, after a goal goes in? Yeah. And um, I don't know if you follow Adam Adam Horry football cliches on Twitter, but he's... I do, yeah. Oh, he loves Peter Drury, doesn't he? And he constantly... Because he does a lot of, obviously... um, world feeds, doesn't he, for games, which for, for people who yes. don't know what the world feed is, it's for, for instance, if we're, we're watching the Premier League in this country, it's it's Sky's coverage or BT's and you've got their commentators, but obviously, you probably commentate on the Premier League, but for um, another, you know, for the, the world feed that goes to other countries, you know, That's right. in English, um, and he, so he, all the big games, he pretty much, I think there's a Twitter account, just dedicated to Peter Drury's greatest calls, Yes. Um, and it's just like you say when we were talking about commentators coming up with a thing on the spot there's no one better than, than Peter Drury for just like almost Shakespearean Things he comes out with after a goal, minus. yeah, yeah. It's a, and it's always like alliterated, which is amazing. And um, mm. um, but I've, again, everyone says Clive Tilsley's become a bit famous for his. Uh, he's done a few viral videos, hasn't he? Since the uh, the, the lockdown <laughs> yeah. has begun, with his, <laughs> yeah. his, his give his wife an Oscar, I say, for her roles. And the, the one where stacking the bookshelf was fantastic.
0: The <laughs> lasagna was it? Was it lasagna? She was, what was she cooking? <laughs> something Italian, as <laughs> yeah. I remember.
1: And he remember. was com- live commentating on the the baking yeah. of the lasagna. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, Cl- I mean, as I say, Clive was someone who, I mean, in, when I talk about commentators you grew up with, or, it, it was great for me working with Jim Beglin because Jim, I mean, I, I probably when I'm be saying this, you make him feel old, but I remember as you know, a teenager listening to Jim's Champions League coverage yeah. Yeah. when he was with Clive. And for me, I've been really fortunate to, ve- to have worked many times now with, with Jim and I love working with him. He's one of my favourite people to work with. We just bounce off each other really well and um, we've, we've become like, friends outside of it as well you know often text text each other and whatever and um yeah just to work with him and ask you know ask him about those times as well and uh, working with clive and and touring europe really is he's he, the great thing about jim is that even though he's been there and done it so many times you could tell you loads of stories about commentators as he has done about you know when we went on the tour of the camp now him and I before the Espanol. I mean, even for him to come on that tour, yeah. you know, he's he's been there so many times and and commentated there and and he's played in a European Cup final. But he was exactly the same as me walking around the trophy room, taking photos of Messi, <laughs> Valentours, and, and that's and that's because Jim just loves football. You know, he's the same, and that's what I really love about about him. He's he's never got blasé about the fact that he's been doing this for so many years, every trip he goes on is almost, you, you feel he's treating it almost like the first or the last, if, yeah, if you know what I mean. Which, yeah. So he's a real privilege to work. In fact, when we were last in the hotel, the reporter we were with in, um, in Barcelona, a guy called Andy May, who's a really good reporter, we we were going out for some food the night before the game and we were stood waiting for Jim in the, uh, in the reception and, and Andy said something to him like... Um, it must have been a bit weird for you, uh, you know, take, taking, going to the, the Camp Now tour. I mean, you've played in a European Cup final and he just shrugged his shoulders and he was like, yeah. <laughs> I still love seeing the bizarre barcelona trophy room that doesn't make any difference you know yeah. so he's always retain he's a very he's really humble and he's a pleasure to work with you yeah. just loves football like all of us exactly yeah. yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah and and i think if you whatever however high you get up in broadcasting or or even you know on the coaching or playing side of the game if you retain that love of the game i think it really stands you in good stead and and, and it, I just think as well, it it makes you better at what you do because if you appreciate something, you'll naturally give it more love, won't you? And I think when you give something more love, it shows in, in, in the product that, that, that you put out there, whatever the role is that you play.
1: I think some people, um, Gary Neville and Carragher are a good example to that in that they're not polished media professionals and they certainly went when they started, like even to the stage you're on the game, say an attack's unfolding and Gary Neville can see something that's going to go wrong. He'll literally on his mic go... Uh, and you hear him. don't you go, <laughs> yeah. like and like he'll talk over Martin Tyler in the back. You'll hear him go and get rid of it. Get or like what are you doing? What are you doing? And it's that thing of he's still just there watching the game. And even though he shouldn't yeah. be doing it on his mic, he's going like David De Gea. What are you doing? And you, it's what yeah. you'd be saying if you're a fan watching the game. And that's why yeah. us as fans watching like these pundits and commentators because they're not just robots just you know doing the job. They're fe- they're saying the same things we'd be saying if that that happened. You'd be going, what are you doing? <laughs> what are yeah. you doing doing that back pass what are you doing trying to take him on there give the easy ball and it, it's yeah I think it, it's great that I think we're blessed in the time that, at, at the minute with the commentators and the broadcasters and just the quality of what what we watch and that's why I think everyone's missing just watching football because you know it's so you get so much more now that you? you don't just get to watch the game you get such an insight yeah. from these ex-pros that you get to sit next to that it's great it must be great that's... sitting next to them and just like say Jim Beglin Champions League winner league winner with Liverpool and just being able to pick his brain must be fantastic.
0: Yeah, it's it's brilliant. It really, and, and I think as well, it, what you say there about supporters and and what supporters want, I think it's really important as broadcasters to listen to that too, because I think when you when you spend a lot of time on your own, as you do in my job, where you, you're prepping on your own, you're not in an office. You, you just I'm just sat at my kitchen table or in my office, re, you know, doing research. Or that and I only actually see people on the day of the game and i think you can get in your own little world where you're thinking i've got to make this absolutely perfect and if this happens you know maybe i should say this and and you do you can sort of drive yourself a little bit mad in that respect what you have got to remember and i think what i've become better at as i've got older is recognizing what you've just said there that the football supporters don't necessarily want the poly- something incredibly polished they want th- they want that raw Spontaneity as much as anything else And it's funny I mentioned to you earlier The Curzon-Ashton-Wimbledon game That I commentated on Where it was 3-0 to Curzon-Ashton That little non-league team And then Wimbledon came back And beat them I think they scored three In about five minutes At the end if memory And I just remember I think it was the final goal went in Or it might have been The the Wimbledon equaliser and I just I think it was Chris Perry, the old Wimbledon centre half, I was commentating with an on air as it's gone in, I've just turned to him and I just said what came into my head and I just went, I cannot believe what I've seen here <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was funny, I got so many like messages, particularly off friends who'd watched the game, and go, What and they were like, What you said was just perfect because it was exactly what I because I came away thinking, Oh god, but that bet that sounded awful, you know, oh, like no. it must have been must have just sounded like I was just a guy who nicked a mic, and you know. But, 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 but actually, it was weird in that it? it got such a response that people were like, yeah, that was that was what that's what people want to hear, you know, that raw sort of emotion. So it was a lesson to me that in some ways, and I, I always try and learn all the time. You, you'll never do the perfect commentary; nobody will ever do the perfect commentary. So you, you're always learning, and, and that was that was a bit of a learning curve for me that day, yeah.
3: Well I think the uh the Bordenwoods trameer commentary is as perfect as we can imagine anyway. Yeah. So
0: <laughs> That's very kind of you to say so, thank you.
3: I think that's a good note to uh, to finish, just wary of uh, how long we've we've kept no, it,
0: it happens every time this, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good fun, isn't it, talking about football. So yeah, yeah it's a pl- it's a pleasure, guys. And uh, I wish if the if and when the season does resume I obviously wish you all the best. <laughs>
3: yeah, thank you. Yeah, just the uh, pleasure of Catching up again, Adam. Really, really kind of you to uh, to give up a couple of hours of your time. Really, no uh, problem, appreciate it.
1: And hopefully, no you're problem. commentating on us again, not because we've been relegated <laughs> to the conference, but because we're we're in the Europa League sometime soon, maybe.
0: <laughs> yeah, that that would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. that would be great. There's definitely been a Tramir Tramir has definitely been a club that is featured quite regularly as as I've moved up the. Uh, uh, the, you know the broadcasting ladder if you like so I'm, I'm hoping that i'll i'll cover them again sometime i did because bt have got have had a couple of tramir games in the fa cup just just recently yeah, cool, I, sure. I was hoping i might have got the call for one of those i didn't as it ten, as, as it ended up but uh, yeah hopefully our paths will cross again in the future
1: yeah hopefully we're there um, a couple of years time in the quarry uh, Braga, Braga versus Tramir in the Europa League group stage and we can uh, we can share a, what, what's a, a Sagres the Portuguese yeah. lager if they want to sell no. me some by the way then for that advertisement <laughs> feel feel free if you're part of the Sagres UK
0: marketing team <laughs> that would be good yeah that would be good fun
1: Adam thanks so much for giving us a, na- nearly two hours of your time this um, on that two year anniversary of um, that Boreham Wood game
0: pleasure cheers Adam thanks very much Right, cheers, lads. Well, thank you. You have a you have a good night, and yeah, all the best for the rest of the season.
3: Cheers, cheers. See and you later, lads. Take care.